0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com.
1: Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Alex Taub, and we're going to explore business use cases for decentralized autonomous organizations, also known as DAOs, and we're also going to explore Goblin Town, the NFT collection that he was behind. So, if you are fascinated by what happened with Goblin Town, or you want to really just understand where DAOs are going, I think you're going to absolutely love this episode. By the way, I'm at Stelsner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon. So don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Alex Taub.
1: Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Alex Taub. If you don't know who he is, he's the co-author of the book Pitching and Closing. He's also the co-founder of Truth Labs. The company behind the Goblin Town NFT collection. And he's also the co founder of Upstream, an all in one DAO builder. Alex, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Hey, I'm super excited to have you today. Alex and I are going to explore decentralized autonomous organizations, also known as DAOs, and what you need to know to get started. And we're also going to explore Goblin Town a little bit. So, where I'd love to start, Alex, is your story. Like, how did you get into Web3, NFTs, DAOs, all this fun stuff? Start wherever you want to start. I'd love to hear the story.
1: Yeah, so at a company in 2012 to 2014 called Dwolla, my co-founder and Upstream, Michael and I, we joined a company, and it was one of the first ways to get money in and out of the Bitcoin exchanges. So it was like really early days. Bitcoin was like under five bucks, and we were at one of the first crypto companies. So had sort of like a front row seat to like the the like explosion of of Bitcoin, and then it was always sort of like. In the game to some degree. What I mean by that is like we had an Ethereum rig in our office when Ethereum came out. We had we were messing around with ICOs and DeFi and NFTs. So I was sort of always in it since 2012. So like a decade now, which is crazy. But really got into the web 3 stuff, or at least you know what people call web 3. Last well, I got into NFTs when they when they were like end of 2020, but for the DAOs uh started really digging into it last summer.
0: So, when did you get in what was your first NFT collection? I'm just curious when you started getting into that. Was it like CryptoPunks or something like that?
1: No, so CryptoPunks I knew about them but I I wasn't like particularly interested in them. I think it was a lot of people got into crypto and NFTs which was uh, NBA Top Shot. So, big basketball fan, big Knicks fan. Very sad existence for us. But um a friend of mine came to Miami, which is where I'm based in december of 2020 and he was just showing me nba top shot I was like this is super cool this is super fun i just really it just like clicked for me as someone who grew up buying cards and pokemon cards and basketball cards and baseball cards i was like oh this is interesting and then that was like my first step into this sort of new crazy world
0: so was this just a side hustle for you at this point, or were you running like traditional businesses all along and you were just exploring this space through the 2020s and such?
1: In terms of the NFT stuff and DAOs. Yeah, and DAOs. So, in terms of the, the last, like, let's say, year and a half, we upstream, we were doing like virtual events during COVID. And um, like, we basically built a platform for like virtual communities, virtual events. And uh, we started to do a lot of crypto events because a lot of people wanted that content. So, we ended up running an event every Friday called the NFT you know community like weekly, which still happens every Friday at one o'clock. And it just got really popular. And I sort of we had a lot of like the founders of these projects on the event. So we just got to learn about them. And you know, if you came to the event during 2021, you probably crushed it just because we like saw everything, you know, while it was coming out, before it got big. And if you decided to buy that stuff, you probably did really, really well. And then DAOs, I just, you know, was sort of fascinated on like, what is like the web three community play? And it was very clear that DAOs, uh, we're going to be synonymous with web three communities.
0: So upstream was originally a streaming platform is what I'm hearing you say for, uh, for events.
1: Uh, no, 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 not streaming upstream. The word stream is not like a stream. It's more like upstream, like career wise. So originally the, the vision started off and has always been, what is the future of community look like? And we started focusing originally on professional community. So specifically, you know, what would a LinkedIn or a LinkedIn groups sort of look like, a, a professional groups community product look like? And that sort of has evolved into what we believe a web three community looks like, which is a DAO. So it's like the ability to pool money together and have a shared common interest, common goal. We think that is the future. So even though it's the same vision of like what is the future of community, we still think we're we're sort of like we don't look at it internally as a pivot. We look at it as like a technology upgrade.
0: So you were doing these events every week, and you were you using the platform that you designed to do these events, or using Clubhouse, or using some other platform? No, 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 we
1: we built our own stuff.
0: So does that mean that you do have a live streaming component built into this? Then is that that's where I got a little bit confused?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do. We didn't kill it when we put out the dash stuff because we were like, hey. If you're running a community, like a DAO, like you might wanna do office hours. You might wanna do, you know, virtual events. And for example, every Friday, one of the DAOs I'm in hosts an event on upstream at three o'clock. And if you own the token, you can come to the event. And if you don't, you can't.
0: So tell us a little bit about your journey into DAOs. Like when did you first discover what a DAO was and then kind of how did that evolve over time to, to the point where you are right now?
1: So, I mean, I knew DAOs from when, you know, Ethereum came out, they've been around since 2014 you know, at least a, a very like basic primitive of like what it is. Early early DAO was like, you know, there was a big hack and and, and that like led to Ethereum, you know, uh, fork from, uh, from, from way back when. So very aware of them, only started to really think deeply about like how they're set up right now and how you could build sort of a better product last summer. And we sort of like started to look at it like, okay, DAOs are sort of like websites in the 1990s. And what I mean by that is like, When you were in the 90s and you were building websites, you either knew how to code and you did it yourself or you paid someone a ton of money and they did it for you. It wasn't until Shopify and Squarespace and Wix, WordPress and all those things came out that you like had an option of not paying someone a bunch of money or learning code to code yourself. So like we've just felt like DAOs were in a very similar spot where starting a DAO, you know, was like either you knew Solidity or you paid someone a bunch of money and do it for you. And then, like running the DAO is just a really fragmented experience where you're using just a bunch of different tools. So we're like, all right, what if we just like made a really easy way to start a DAO, and then made a really easy way to like have all the tools for the DAO in one place? And that's sort of like how it came to be for us.
0: Very cool. So you decided to launch a project called Goblin Town, which started off as kind of a completely anonymous project, and then eventually you guys doxed yourselves. Can you tell us a little bit about the thought behind this project? Because did it take off bigger than you thought? And like, what, what was the idea when you originally came out with this project?
1: Yeah. And just, just for some clarification. So Upstream is a company started with my co-founder, Michael. We've got like 20 employees. We've raised like over $20 million from investors, building like sort of Dow infrastructure company. Then there's Truth Labs, which I started with a friend named Caesar Kuriyama and an artist named Process Gray. And we were just buying a bunch of NFTs ourselves. Caesar and I have been friends for a while. And we just were like, well, what if we were on the other side of the table? What if we built our own project? And like, what would that look like? And we were just trying to get inspiration. And we sort of just wanted the fun part. Like we saw these people launching these projects. We're like, this seems a lot of fun. Like, let's, let's try to do our own. We've, we've got the skills. We've got the team. Uh, let's try to build our own. Like, what should it be? What should it be about? What should be the ethos around it? You know, why do we do what we do, et cetera? And at the same time, we were sort of, so this was summer of last year also. Pretty busy summer last year. But uh summer of last year, and we were thinking through it, and I was on the upstream side, I was building, you know, working with my co-founder, building sort of the DAO stuff out. And I started to think, like, wouldn't it be really cool if, like, whatever we did, 50% of it became a DAO? Like, let's say you you sell a million dollars worth of NFTs, like, half of it, 500K, would go into a treasury for the community to sort of decide what to do with it. So. I ended up pitching Caesar this idea of like, what if whatever we decided, 50% of it would go into a DAO. So that was the first piece of it. And then the second piece was, I started to think about the concept of the Illuminati and how the pyramid and I and like the iconography around it is pretty classic. And like, nobody really owns that. And I thought, would it be cool if like, there was like a, an NFT project around like that secret society. And then... Marrying it with, like, if the Illuminati really exists, then maybe they'd probably be a doubt because, like, everyone would have a vote and decide what to do with the money. So it ended up sort of fusing together. And then, and then Process Gray is just a really amazing artist. So it all really sort of came together. And we sort of launched that in the beginning January 3rd was the, the, the mint date of 2022. So we worked on it for a while. So that was the mint date. And then we had a successful mint it sold out very quickly.
0: How much was it? Was it a free mint or what was it? No,
1: no. So it ended up being 0.23, okay. which at the time was about a thousand bucks. But the idea around it was it was really supposed to be half of that because half of the money was literally coming back to you in your voting power and ownership of the Dow and half of it was going to the art. So really it was really considered, like at least the way we were positioning it and the way we talked to people about it, it was like, listen, the Mint's really like 0.16, 0.165, whatever you want to call it. However, technically, the money was siphoned. 50% went into one en- entity, which is the Illuminati Association, which is the Dow. It's a nonprofit. And then the other one went to Truth Labs and was you know, disseminated to the operating budget and the team. So it was an expensive Mint at the time. However, it was necessary to get enough money to do something interesting. So anyway, but that was Illuminati. So that's like the origin of Truth Labs. And then we're sort of building out. At the same time, we have this thing called the 187, which is uh, the original collection, the first 187 mints. There was an issue uh, on our end where basically gas was escalating. We ended up having to quickly kill the contract, redeploy it, airdropped everyone, their corresponding NFT. But we had 187 that were minted before anyone else sort of got in there. So what we end up doing is we end up changing that collection into like, we called it the gold Illuminati's. So everyone's had gold ones and then people were like, all right, I'm not sure what to do. We already had a plan of building this like sort of world, this universe, you know, inspired by things like star Wars and, and Marvel and, and Harry Potter and, you know, Rick and Morty and things like that, where we were already thinking through like, okay, what does a world look like in this truth universe? and, We just were sort of like, put like this amazing thing on our laps. So we took like the lemons and we sort of, we made lemonade. This whole idea of this 187, because the 187 internally in the DAO, they started calling it in the DAO in the discord. They started to call themselves the 187. And we're like, Oh, that's a fun name. So what we ended up doing is we ended up realizing that those could be the species and the characters for the universe we're building. Uh, And what we've done is we start to slowly roll them out. I think only 13 have been revealed so far out of the 187 of them. You can go to the, the 187.xyz and they have like pretty interesting like backstories. If you click on each one, you could see like some information about them. And we're trying to build like stories and interesting characters, like first and foremost. And one of those characters happens to be a goblin. That was maybe not originally planned, but as soon as we came up with the idea for Goblin Town we're like, all right, this place obviously exists within the universe we're building. And put out that collection. And then when we revealed that it was us that was behind it, we also added a goblin to the 187, which the 187 is like probably the grail NFT within the truth sort of ecosystem. Uh, If you can think of it as like a grail NFT, meaning this is like the most coveted thing in, in it, is like when you have that, you have like, the, the person who owns the Goblin in the 187 is like basically the head of the Goblin.
0: Well, I know that the collection was definitely a huge success. I mean, did it exceed the expectations you guys had for it or was it right where you expected it?
1: Yeah, when you catch lightning in a bottle like that, like you can't obviously expect, you you hope for the best and you position yourself for the best and you, you try to get in a position to get lucky, but you, know, you, you never know how things are going to take off. Like, yeah, we were strategic about some stuff, but the stuff we were strategic about wasn't the things that maybe took it to the next level, meaning, okay, we we made sure the mint was happening during VCon over that weekend. There you go. Did that have an effect on it? Probably. Did it make it go crazy bananas? I don't know. I think a lot of that was speculation, which is sort of funny because we were sort of like mocking, not mocking, but like playfully mocking a lot of like the ideas in Cryptoverse, like, you know, no roadmap, no utility, CC0, no Discord, like the no Discord thing was crazy. Like people, every project has a Discord. Every project has a roadmap or they're like, no one's gonna buy your stuff. And we sort of went the opposite of everything. Even like the joke where there was a lot of stuff about like goblins peeing, right? Like, we, you know, we were taking like bodily functions of, you know, like like literally like, like you know, like the kids do, like I made a pee-pee mommy, like the, some basic stuff like that. And like we said, like, you know, peeing on the floor you know, the floor is a concept in crypto, right? About like, what's the floor price of the item? So peeing on the floor is like, we don't really care about what the floor is. And a lot of those were like funny and stuff. And a lot of people speculated who we were. Um, and we, you know, we tried, we obviously, we had a plan. We were always going to dox before NFT NYC because we wanted to do a lot of stuff there. But we didn't have any plans to make people think we were, you know, this or that. I guess it was a testament to them liking our work. They thought we were Yuga. They thought we were Larva Labs. They thought we were Beeple. They thought we were a lot of different people. Now, I think one of the, you know, funny things that we did was like, people would like, hey, this, these guys are Snoop Dogg or these guys are this. And every time someone did that, like, are Steve Aoki. And then every time someone did that, we would like retweet them and be like, yeah, we're definitely Snoop Dogg, or we're definitely Steve Aoki. And, um, you know, in, in in a way that was like super obvious that like, we're not that. The only time we ever denied we were anything was when everyone was saying we thought we were Yuga. And we said, like, we we tweeted multiple times, like, we are not Yuga, in a goblin voice. So maybe people didn't know how to read it. But, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, we were trying to explicitly say, we are not these people. And I think it's good for the space that not everything is them. I'm I'm a fan of what they've done. But uh, they, um, you know, it's good to have a lot of different companies. It makes the space bigger. In terms of the one person who didn't take the joke was was Beeple. And he ended up coming to our NFT NYC event and we asked him, like, why did you think we were saying we were you? Like, why did you actually, because we were saying it in like a sarcastic way. Like, why did you actually think we were really saying this? He's like, he's like, yeah, when I look back at like the tweet, I'm like, uh, like, why did I say anything? Like, I, obviously, this is very obvious that it's like a joke. But he's like, I was, I was recently hacked, like a week or two before, uh-huh. and I didn't want people to think that I was like, I, I felt like maybe someone was taking advantage of me being hacked to say like, oh, I'm part of this project. If I would have seen your tweets, like, yeah, we're definitely Stoop Dog, we're definitely Stevie Oki, we're definitely all these people that were obviously not, I wouldn't have said anything, I would have laughed. But because I was like uh, very hyper sensitive about it, I sort of put out that tweet, which is sort of just funny.
0: But- that's cool. It probably created more press. I mean, all these things just created incredible op- exposure for you guys, I would imagine, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it also goes to the whole concept of like NFTs in general and the speculation. I think there's a lot of value that could be had. I think there's a lot of utility that could be had. But I think right now, most people just want speculation. The less they know right now and the more that they can like speculate on what it is, the more the thing is worth, which is, I, I get it. Like, you know, when you're a startup and you're raising money, they they tell you like, hey, unless you're like going crazy bananas with like sales and profit or whatever like the second you bring up money right unless it's like uh, unless it's like you're better off like saying like you have no revenue right now like you're, you're focused on growth and it's like I think the, the line is like nothing ruins a better pitch than revenue numbers or something like that um, and, it, and and it goes to show that like people want this the, the speculative nature of it is like they just want to feel something that's tough to like get out of that mold of like, you know, it's, it's all, uh, if we could speculate and pump our bags and you know, that doesn't end well for most people.
0: Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that story. I think it was absolutely fascinating. I want to get back to dows for those that aren't watching. You have a hat on Alex's hat says just Dow it. (laughs) so It's
1: it's an upstream hat. It's an upstream
0: Yeah. It's like, just do it, right? Exactly. I love it. So there's plenty of businesses listening right now that are a little not sure about why they should consider a Dow. Or maybe they're not businesses. Maybe they're more aspirational or entrepreneurial and they're considering traditional business route versus creating a Dow. Why should they consider a Dow? It depends on what they're trying to do.
1: I I don't think a Dow makes sense for everything. I think there's a few really interesting use cases right now. I think we're in the really, really early stages of DAOs. I think in the future, DAOs could be like this company replacement, right? Like this, you know, like digital company infrastructure. But I think right now there's a few use cases that I find that are interesting.
0: Real quick, before we get to the use cases, what are the actual advantages? What can a DAO do that a traditional business cannot do, in your opinion?
1: Well, that's the thing is that most DAOs right now need to be wrapped within Traditional existing business structures, DAOs are not legally anything, or they're not considered legally anything by the U.S. You know court system. So you need to wrap it in an LLC, a nonprofit, you know, five hundred one c three, etc. Like, so they don't, they can't really exist without those things, right? I mean, they can. They're not illegal, but there's like, you know, you use those things for like max protections and like for conflict. If we buy something together and we lose money, and you want to sue me, like if we have an entity together, you can't really go after me for that. You can go after the entity, which may not have anything. So but in terms of things that like the a DAO could do that other a lot of the web three, and I think this is where a lot of people get mixed up is like, a lot of like web three companies, a lot of three web opportunities and things. It's not that you can't do them in web two. It's just that the 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 dynamics change, right? Like the ownership and the transparency change when everything's out there on the blockchain and everything's out in the open, you can't do some things that you've done before, which is like, for example, and this is probably deep in the future, but like, imagine your local government, right? Was it out or was on the blockchain and you could see like all the money that they have, how they're using it. You could vote on how it gets used. All that stuff could be really, really interesting. And like, Yeah, you could probably do that and open your books as a government, but like there's a really interesting, it's not you can't run a government privately. It's just that it's it's uh it's giving like sort of like ownership to the to the group. Like I could fund an admin for a community I want to be in, and I can give them, let's say it's a hundred dollar membership. I can give them a hundred dollars, right? And that's great. But I can also like give a hundred dollars into the the DAO. And I have the ownership in that DAO as opposed to giving it to one person to make all those decisions. So I, I don't know that there's anything that like you can do with DAOs that you can't do with because uh, you sort of have to wrap it in if you want, you want to do anything big. But I think that DAOs are opening up the like like the digital world like LLCs are only since the 1950s, 60s, 70s, like they haven't been around forever you know, it's been corporations for a long, longer time. LLCs haven't been around that long and everyone loves them and uses them now. Like who's to say that 20, 30 years from now, DAOs can't be as big or bigger, especially being in the sort of the, the digital world. So I don't know. I think it's uh it's an interesting exercise to think about like the future and what the use cases might be. I do know that there are some, a few handful of use cases that do work right now pretty well.
0: Let's talk about those use cases. But before we do, I heard you say ownership and transparency are two big reasons why you might want to consider using a DAO. If I'm not mistaken, the good news about a DAO is depending on what you have to own to get to become a member, it could be a token, it could be an NFT. If it's an NFT, there's a secondary market where you can buy and sell that, right? Where if you invest in a company, you got to wait for that company to go public to get out. So doesn't this give you the possibility of getting out of Of liquidity?
1: Yes. Yeah. No, a lot of people make a good argument about Like, more liquidity is a good thing. And I think I agree with that. I think there's maybe some times where locking things up is better, but that's more to protect you from yourself. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't sell something, then you're just going to hold it, right? If there's no liquidity for the thing, then you don't really have a choice. So I think, yeah, I think liquidity is an interesting thing. And there was a really interesting podcast a few weeks, maybe a month ago, uh, where two, you know, operators, investors were sort of debating around like the merits of liquidity. And I think I probably come on the side where like I don't think I think having more liquidity is 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 better. There's very few scenarios where having something with no liquidity is better than having it with liquidity.
0: Yeah, I agree completely because you think about like nowadays you you still get opportunities to invest in like venture capital deals, right? And you know you may never see that money again. But if you can invest in a DAO and there is an NFT particularly associated to it that's got enough demand supply you could get out of that and at least get some of your money back or maybe even make a profit on it if you decide that for whatever reason you're not interested in participating in that anymore and I think that minimizes risk and I think it allows people to possibly get involved with ventures that they might not have ever gotten involved with before because they know that if for whatever reason they need to get out they got an option no
1: yeah and I think I mean I think the whole idea around accredited investors is something that's interesting. On one hand, you're trying to protect people, right? From predatory opportunities that will they'll lose lose their money. That's why you have to be accredited. You have to have a certain amount of money. I also see the other side where it's like you're gatekeeping to certain people, opportunities to make money. You know what I mean? And like if you had only accredited investors that were allowed to buy nFTs early on, then then the rich people just just get richer. So I see both sides. I see that there's protections that are needed for people. I also see like, they're the gatekeeping of people sucks. You know, it, it sucks that you you know to gate people from potential financial freedom or things like that. So I think it's a uh you know, a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of thing. I think it, it's definitely a fascinating.
0: So let's talk about the use cases. I know you've got a whole bunch of different use cases you're familiar with, which might help people wrap their brain around how a DAO could be useful.
1: So there's like four we're playing around with right now. And then there's there's probably more, but there's four that like I'm spending time on. Number one is an investment club, and that's like me and five friends want to buy something, whether it's a physical good or a digital good, being able to pull our money together and buy that thing. So, you know, uh, whether we want to buy uh, an NFT or we want to buy season tickets to the Knicks or whatever it is, you know, obviously it works better if, it, if it's a digital asset, because then you can, especially if it's an Ethereum based asset, because then you can control it within the DAO itself. Uh, but even without that, you, you still have, you know, the ability to pull money together, buy it and vote, vote on what to do with it. So that's number one.
0: On, inv- on investment clubs, does this mean with the right tools, like maybe your tools, let's say that you've got a bunch of friends and you decide you want to try to buy a CryptoPunk or you want to try to just get a board, a yacht club, you know, very expensive, right? We're talking like 70,000, 100,000 plus that, you know somebody could bring a bunch of friends together and use the right kind of tooling essentially to enable them to share in the upside of that and all that fun stuff. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah, so you let's say you and five friends all put 20K in and you buy a board ape for $100,000. Now, there's a few ways you can go about it. One is you legally do not need to create an entity. Meaning, if you and five friends put 20K each and you buy 100K NFT, right? Now you each own 20%, right? 20. 20 times five is, is 100. You, you join 20%. And you, so you don't legally need to have a entity like a LLC. You don't legally need to have an operating agreement. Now, what, what could happen is you go and buy that for 100K. It skyrockets. It's worth a million dollars. and You sell it. Everyone gets their profit. It gets distributed. You shut it down. Everyone goes and pays their own taxes. You move on with your lives. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no There's no legal issue with that. Now, you usually have an operating agreement. You have an, an entity for conflict. So let's say you do that same scenario, but instead of going to a million dollars, it goes to zero. Everyone loses their money. And out of those five people, one of them decided to vote against buying that board aid. Maybe they wanted to buy a different board aid. Maybe they, didn't want to buy, they wanted to buy a crypto instead. Now, that person you know, as America, you could sue anyone for anything. And that person goes and says, hey, you guys, you you lost me my money. I don't care that you lost your money. I voted against this, and I didn't want to do it. And it passed because there was a majority. And it was an agreed upon thing that we, hey, the majority is going to rule on this. Now, in the end of that, like, if you have an operating agreement that spells that out, it protects you against the conflict. If you have an LLC that, you know, shields uh, liability, those things make sense. So like, Legally, you don't need an entity. You do it because of of conflict, of issues like that. And that's how typically people sort of approach this.
0: Well, so does the DAO provide governance then? Is that what I'm hearing you say? So that there's basic rules that everybody agrees on before they go into this so that you don't have these kind of issues? Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Well, no. So the idea is that you don't need to do that, but it's recommended that you do that type of stuff because legally, that is your best bet of like protecting yourself to the max. But no, you don't technically or legally need to do that. At least the only things you really need to do for an investment club is keep it under a hundred people and then keep it under a certain amount. I think it's $25 million. As long as you do those things, you don't legally need to do anything else because what it's going to be looked at in the court, meaning if you go to court, right, and you don't have any of those things, you don't have an LLC, you don't have that. It's not like you're, you're in trouble. It's like, I mean, you may be in trouble, but not because of the setup. It gets looked at as a general partnership. And that's how it'll be looked. In general partnerships, you can go after people for their house, their cars, all that stuff.
0: So the option of having an investment club as a DAO, presumably, I mean, it's called decentralized and autonomous, right? There's certain things that are automated. Is that what I'm hearing you say that make it less painful?
1: Well, well, the idea is that if everything's on the, the Ethereum blockchain, then yeah, you can automate a lot of the stuff.
0: And it's transparent, what what everybody agreed to, right?
1: Well, everyone agreed to how much ownership they have, what they voted on, all that's signed on the blockchain. So you can see exactly what where people fall, how people voted on something. You have a paper trail.
0: Perfect. Okay, so we talked about investment clubs as one DAO use case of four. What what's the next one?
1: Another one is we call them like NFT projects. So the example I did with the Illuminati NFT. You know, we have about a thousand ETH sitting in a wallet that the community can sort of decide what to do with it.
0: Just so we're clear, when you were talking about the Illuminati NFT, was that not related to Goblin Town or was that something totally different?
1: No, so Truth Labs built both of them. I see. They're both part of the same universe. The Illuminati DAO is its own sort of entity, right? It's not a Truth Labs own thing. It's called the Illuminati Association. It's a 501c3 uh, or, or it's a UNA, Unregistered Nonprofit Association, that's seeking like a 501c3 a foundation status. And that that DAO is um, there's its own it has its own token. So everyone at one point who had an Illuminati basically who had the ability to get airdropped a claim for the DAO token. And that's open indefinitely. So people can claim it. As long as your Illuminati NFT did not claim the token, you can claim it. And um, yeah, anyway, long and the short of it is the NFT project side of it is. We've sort of built that as a, as a use case. So instead of having to contribute Ethereum right into a DAO and getting a token back for it, what you're doing is I'm owning something in my wallet. In this case, it's a DAO token. I'm owning that in my wallet. And because I'm owning it in my wallet, I have access to this community where I can vote on how to use the money and vote on polls and things like that. So that's uh, the second use case, which is an NFT project. Think of it as like more of like a community thing. So it's like, I'm in this community and I get to vote on decisions of how to use the money in this community.
0: So in this particular example, you originally had an NFT and then the NFT essentially was what unlocked access to the tokens that gave you voting rights inside of the DAO. Could you also just have the NFT, you know, whoever owns the NFT have the, have the rights?
1: Oh yeah. This was just an example of how it worked with us because we wanted to separate it considering the money was really split. But yeah, in theory, as long as you just hold the NFT that is being gated, you can come in and vote however you want.
0: Right. I think that the nouns project does something like this. Are you familiar with what those guys are doing at all? Yeah. I don't know the details of it, but I've heard about it. And I think every time you buy one of these, somehow you get control over what the da- oh,
1: The doubt does. Yeah. You get, there's basically, I think one day and there's all these nouns that like control the money basically on, you know, what, what they do with it.
0: So someone who's launching an NFT project could do this as an incentive for someone to be part of the project because it provides a lot more utility. Is that kind of where this goes?
1: Yeah. It's like, Hey, you're this community. Like you can control the fate of, you know, the, how the money gets used in this community. So, I look at it as like a community engagement tool.
0: So when you're doing a, like an NFT project, that's a DAO, it's almost as if you're giving control over to the community. Does that mean they decide to do derivative products or not do derivative products? Or is it more what to do with the money? What Should we invest it in PR? Should we invest it in other collections? Those types of things.
1: It depends on how you split it. Like Truth Labs is not a DAO. People don't get a vote of what we want to do. But whereas the DAO is a DAO, right? The Illuminati Association is DAO, and you can control how you want to spend the money. You can make a proposal for whatever you want. It goes to the DAO Council that makes sure this proposal is in line with what the DAO is about. It's not, you know, advocating doing things that the DAO would be against. And then, yeah, once you do that, people in the DAO can make proposals on anything, and then the Dow can vote if they want to do it or not.
0: I would imagine, for example, NFT NYC, let's say the DAO decides they want to host a party, right? And it's going to cost $20,000 so they could vote on that. And then if the majority agreed to go ahead and host the party, then they would use the funds from the DAO to fund the party. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it would basically just unlock the funds for that, uh, whatever the thing that was proposed.
0: Perfect. Okay, so we've talked about investment clubs, NFT projects. What's the next use case?
1: The next case we're playing around with is something called Vault DAO, which is more of a like a security product. And basically what it is, is it's like basically a DAO that's just you, right? So like you can throw away the word DAO, but you're basically, you have multiple wallets that are connected to this multi-signature wallet, right? And this, I've been using something like this to store my NFTs and my crypto in a more secure fashion. So one of the things I was always worried about is clicking on a bad link and losing all my, you know, my, my NFTs and my crypto. And now what I've done is I've put all my valuables into a multi-signature wallet, where what you need to do is get multiple wallets that I have to be able to take any of that stuff out, right? So getting multiple wallets and being able to sign them is just a lot less likely than like me clicking on a bad link and then connecting my main wallet or one of my side wallets into a bad website that tries to steal my stuff. In the end of the day, that's the that's the gist of like the concern and and that's why we built this thing so it is essentially a vault we call it a vault DAO. essentially a vault using a multi-signatures to to basically do it so i use that as as like a a storage for all my valuables
0: cool and then the last example
1: the last one is what people call single purpose daos and what what that means is there's just one purpose for the dao The, the most famous one is probably the constitution dao and and that's like, I'm going to do one thing, right? I'm going to buy the constitution. And then I'm going to like rally the troops around that one thing where they can contribute to own governance in that one thing. There was a lot of like hoopla after the constitution Dow of like, oh, you know, I'm going to start my own DAO, whatever. But I think because constitution DAO lost and didn't get the constitution, it just didn't blow up as much as it could have. And I think we're going to start to see a lot more single purpose DAOs come out that are like rallying sort of the troops to get behind to see if like that can sort of spark a blueprint that other people can copy. And maybe these are really just like new type of communities where like you buy one item, right? Whatever the community cares about. And then like the community sort of spins around it, whether it's virtual, physical events, merch, all that stuff gets built around owning a specific item right and then like there's a community that forms i think those are like an inter- that's an interesting like idea and maybe something like to explore more about like web through communities it's like could you build a i don't know I'm making this up could you build a community around like a game worn signed kobe bryant jersey of like basketball and nba fans and like buying that jersey for two million dollars at christie's right and then having a community around that that own it and then they do things around it and they build like business you know what i mean could you do something like that? And I think that could be really interesting, really cool.
0: What exactly does Upstream do to help people with their DAOs? Like maybe you could like, are, are you like the WordPress of it? Yeah,
1: like basically like the Shopify. So essentially what we've been doing and what we're doing is you can come in and request to start a DAO. You basically can fill out all the information of what you want to do, how you want to do it, etc. Best way to think about it is like we're while we help you launch it in the beginning, we are just like a front end. Experience for your DAO, right? So all we are is like
0: like a Discord alternative,
1: similar way to like OpenSea. Like OpenSea doesn't hold your NFTs, right? Right. You hold your NFTs in your wallet, and then on OpenSea, when you connect your wallet, you can buy, sell, list, etc. Similar here, Upstream does not hold your DAO. Like your DAO lives on the blockchain. The signatures have all the control. signatures are the people who can sign things. They have all the control over it. But we have given you a really pretty experience to be able. To sort of like see all of that and like use it in an interesting way. So we we're trying not to like, you know, it's still a new, like a new day for this type of stuff. It's a new age. And people are still like, okay, wait, is my DAO on Upstream? Is Upstream the DAO? And it's like, no, it's like, we help you launch it. And we, we have a, a whole smart contract to, to launch it. But it lives on blockchain. You could, in, if you wanted to, go directly to the contract and interact with it if you knew what you're doing. But you probably don't. So what you're better off doing really is coming in and using our product because we believe 99.999% of people are never going to learn how to interact with a smart contract. And if, you know, they're going to need like a web 2.5 sort of like experience. And that's how I think, you know, a a large majority of people are going to interact with this type of stuff. So just making a wallet is enough. They don't need to know how to interact with a, a, a contract.
0: Looking into the future, where do you see DAOs going? Like if you look down the road, like maybe three to five years.
1: I think they can get really big. I think the main question around DAOs is like, okay, what can we... Like, okay, so why did NFTs take off, right? NFTs took off because I bought an item for 500 bucks, right? And then I sold it for 5,000 bucks. And then I told my friend that I did that. And they're like, oh my God, I'm going to do that too. They did it. So you could say a combination of a mania, right? A combination of new technology, a combination of the greater fool theory, which is like, you know, you need to find someone else who wants to buy the thing, a combination of early interesting potential utility, but ultimately it took off because people made money. And that is tail as old as time. Any company that's ever been successful, that's ever been in name for themselves, they either did one of a few things. A few of them I can't mention. I can't. I can't get it. I don't. This isn't a. This isn't appropriate podcast. I can't say it. But the idea is like you know, if a product can help you get paid, then it is something that people will will want to use. You know, like why do people get on Airbnb? Because they wanted strangers in their house? No, they got money. They got. They got paid. So, why do people drive an Uber? Because they like to drive random people around? No, because they made money. So it's like, in the end of the day, it's like for DAOs, like how do you theoretically make money by joining DAOs? And it really sort of boils down to like, how do you make money in general? Well, you either give money to make more money. You either give time to make money. And some people probably argue that time is the most valuable thing you give. Or maybe the third is like you give a skill or value to make money. And I think that's what it's gonna come down to. If DAOs take off, it's gonna be because someone cracked the nut of like, how do you join a DAO? And you make money, and you want to tell all your friends about it, because so they can do
0: it. Very cool.
1: And that's what I've been thinking about a lot recently.
0: Yeah, I think you're onto something. Where can people discover more about you if they want to reach out on the socials, or if you want to send them to a specific website?
1: Yeah, I'm personally I'm AJT on Twitter at AJT Upstream on Twitter. It's at Join Upstream. Uh, the website's UpstreamApp.com. And then in terms of Truth Labs, we have at Truth on Twitter. We have at Goblin Town on Twitter. It's GoblinTown.WTF. It's truthlabs.co, I think. Uh, Be careful going to random websites and clicking on stuff, please. (laughs) And it's uh, illuminatiNFT.com. Yeah, I'm just, you know, DM me on Twitter if you want to talk.
0: Awesome, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your wisdom.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com/slash-c39. By the way, if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? We're at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your fast talking host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of
1: Social Media Examiner.
0: The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.